I joined the Million Veteran Program in order to ensure that veterans like myself get the absolute best care possible. I joined the MVP program to help medical advancements for veterans that look like me. To ensure that no veteran ever had to die from an unknown disease. I joined MVP because I still want to be part of something bigger than myself. To help advance and improve the care for veterans today and in the future, which very well could be my children's. Might not help me, might not help my friends, but it'll help the next generation. My why for MVP is every veteran. You are our why. You are our why. The veterans are our why. You are our why. To each and every veteran in MVP, you are our why. Please visit Exceptional Parent Magazine and sign up for free at epmagazine.com to get your free monthly magazine with a new U.S. military section. Also, please make sure to visit Exceptional Parent Mag on Facebook and EPMZINE on X or Instagram. Hello and welcome again to Oscar Mike Radio. My name is Travis, Marine Corps veteran and your host. Oscar Mike Radio is part of the Hubazoo Network. You can find out more on hubazoo.com. I want to thank my sponsors, Joyce Asak of Asak Real Estate, Army National Guard veteran Mark Holmes of Reapers Detailing and Power Washing, and my supporters, all veteran-owned businesses, Quezon Shaving Company, Black Cat Designs, and Savage American Woodwork. We're going through this year. I can't believe that we are just flying through this thing. A lot has happened um, to me and Oscar Mike Radio this this last year, and this next guest is no exception. I recently joined Military Broadcast Radio as a show and co-host, and the first, we determined this, the first fellow <laughs> co-host from that network, Audrey McHugh of the Amazonian Warrior Foundation, Navy veteran, is on with Oscar Mike Radio Audrey, welcome. Thanks, bro. I appreciate it. Um, full send. <laughs> full send. Full send all the time. I'm gas, no brakes, Audrey. All gas, no brakes. Offense all the time. It's just how I roll. Um, yeah, but, that's how my Eagles roll too. I just want to throw it out there. E A T L U S. I'm not. I'm not, I'm not a Patriots fan. Just to let you know, I'm not a Pats fan. I. I, I okay, that's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would have had to cut this this short. I mean, I don't want to do that to your viewers, but I would just left no well, i mean if we can't just for a second i mean right up there with cowboys fans audrey <laughs> pats fans are this most sanctimonious bunch of wannabes i've ever met good I'm, 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 I, I, follow the, I follow the saints so i i i know what it's like to be a fan like a real right. fan right ride or die ride, or, ride die. or die but but eagles fans i mean you threw snowballs at santa claus they don't like us. We don't care. It's a Philly thing. Okay. okay. We also grease light poles and climb on top of them too. So I just, I just want to go birds. Uh, I just want to be, I want to be fair. You know, like, you know, we are, um, 
a special flock and we fly together and we ride together and uh, that's how we're effective by sticking together and that's something I think that the military um, instills as well so you know I'm, I'm glad that so many of us are able to enjoy sports and I, I believe that sports actually saves people's lives especially um, veterans so that's uh, a lot what my nonprofit does is we do adaptive sports so we're going to dig into all that. Okay. I mean, we just scratched the surface here, Audrey. This yeah. is great because it's some very interesting things. I mean, I mean, I'm sure you are. I remember being in Hawk school and in the Marine Corps and, you know, we'd find a TV somewhere on a Sunday and everybody would show up and kind of just, we get the bag nasties from the chow hall and, you know, some Doritos. And there we are watching the game, kind of just no rank, no, whatever. We're just chilling out watching the mm -hmm. game. It's very powerful, very powerful. Right. So thank you for coming on. Thank you for sharing. You've got a very serious thing to share about. And I've, I've talked about it before on Oscar Mike radio with, if I may, the scourge of, of, of sexual um, assault and mm -hmm. rape in the military um, happens to men and women. And this is kind of how, you know, I understand that your story and your path to advocacy got going, unfortunately, but you've taken it in a different direction and we'll get into that. But before we do give us a little background, Philly included about how you got into the military and what your MOS was and at a very high level, I don't need the whole, like, like, sure. um, so my family, a lot of uh, my family is a military lineage. Um, so we've been, you know, before this country was even established, we were out there kicking ass. Um, so, you know, we're just warriors, right? And uh, when I was in second grade, you know, before that, I wanted to be the president of the United States. Um, I wanted to be a marine biologist. I wanted to be a veterinarian. And then I heard JFK's speech uh, about what you could do for your country. And I was like, and then I saw his boat and I was like, that's it, right? Like, I want to be on one of those boats. And um, so then... You know, in, in high school, I made sure I was in JROTC. Like, I knew I was going to the military. My life was planned for that. Um, my family member was the first African-American female diver in the Navy. So she helped raise the TWA and the Hunley. Um, so my little brother was in Iraq, and I was getting ready to go to college. And, uh, you know, this is 04. And I'm like, well, I don't really have time to go to college. I, you know, I'm here to kill, kill terrorists now. Um, so I'm Brownwater Navy. I'm Gator Navy. I was with an amphibious unit. Uh, so I got to drive some boats and, um, you know, be attached to some special jarheads. And uh, so I, even question, though I was an OS. Question. Yes, did you, go did ahead. You, did you ever drive any of the LCACs by any chance? Yeah, so um, I was with uh, ACU2, so LCUs, right? So Maritime Prepositioning Forces, uh, Mu-22. Um, so LCUs, patrol boats, rib boats. Um, I drove, uh, you know, the the other ones, but I wasn't uh, coxswain certified on those. So, I mean, I could say, yeah, I drove them, but I, not, that was my specialty. Um, and then, you know, I did that. I loved being on the water. I was attached for a squadron for a little bit. And uh, then I got too good at my job and uh, I had to be an instructor. And so that oh. kind of like, yeah, yeah. I, I taught um, over 600 officers before they took command um, how to uh, train out on a fleet. So uh, before they got to go on their ship, they had to go through my school. So that was uh, that was a good part. Right. Like I loved the military. I loved um, the brotherhood and sisterhood. There just happened to be some assholes along the way that that made it not so good. So. 
and, and we kind of talked about that before we we, we started you know planning the show and, and the, the the situation around that and you know some people on the show you know tell me what happened some people don't i'll leave that to you but i i don't want to focus on that if you understand right. what i mean what i want yeah. to focus on is when that happened when that terrible event happened to you what's the emotional psychological toll on you because you're you're you're, you're violated right and, and by right. people who we're supposed to take a bullet for each other you know, yeah. one of the few people on the earth, more than your family, more than your parents, more than your spouse, like, like vice versa, you know, you for me, me for you, we're going to, we're going to attack the hill together or the beach. And, and that that's all gone in an instant. What, what was that like, Audrey? Well, um, so it sucked. I wish I could be like, it was only one incident, right? It wasn't, man. From the period of uh, 2004 to 2005, I was raped over 10 times. And I was raped by Navy personnel, um, almost murdered, suffocated. And then I was raped, uh, you know, again by other Navy personnel and then two Marines. And so it wasn't just like, okay, I have this time to recover, right? The first incident was at a school. I was sexually assaulted there. I reported it. Uh, you know, they said, we're just going to give him a downgrade uh, for six months. And I was like, nah, I want an admiral's mask. I want this motherfucker kicked out. And uh, they didn't do anything about it. And then, um, so I was real like fucked up. Like, I was just like, I can't believe this just happened to me in the military. Somebody had warned me, uh, another Navy personnel before I joined, she was like, don't join the Navy, you're going to get um, assaulted. And I was like, whatever, right? Like I, I brushed it off. I really did not think in 2004, like that was going to be my path forward, right? And so um, I wanted to kill myself when that happened. Uh, when you get raped in the military, you have a 50-50 chance of killing yourself. And then you're 80% likely to encounter domestic violence. So if you even survive the incident, um, the chances are you're going to have a, a world of pain coming to you because somebody committed a crime against you. So that was the first one. And then I still had to put my uniform on every single day. And I get to a new, new duty station after that, after a school. And I'm like, all right, I'm just going to fucking, I'm going to leave this all behind. I get to, you know, start learning how to drive these boats and, uh, everything's going to be cool. Like, I'm just going to, it didn't happen. I'm going to push it out of my head. And then, you know, I started getting sexually harassed by by my officers and jobs taken away because I refused to sleep with him and his wife. I was supposed to go to Hilo and do uh, crypto loads. And because I'm bisexual and I'm serving under don't ask, don't tell at this point. And um, I just want to say bisexuality means that you just love somebody. Right. Like you don't put a, uh, you know, a gender to it. Right. You just. You love somebody. So I was targeted for that. So I'm like, holy shit, what the, you know, what, where the fuck's my Navy at that, you know, I've idealized my whole entire life and that my family has literally said like, this is the best thing on earth. Right. Um, so when I get there, I'm brutally, brutally raped. Like the guy stalks me, comes in my barracks and for almost two hours and my foot was broken. He sodomized me with my own crutches and in my vagina. Like, and there was blood everywhere. Um, and uh, that part, man, that, that, that just, that broke me, right? Like, I just remember it took me like an hour after he left for me to crawl on my side 
with a blood just streaming, streaming out of my legs to go sit in the shower for almost three hours and just cry. And uh, the first song I listened to was Alive by Pearl Jam, because I was just like, you know, do I deserve to be alive at this point? And then guess what? I uh, had to use those same crutches, get in my uniform the next day, and I could barely even sit down. Like the bruising was so bad on my body that my utility pants literally like scratched all the bruises now, and what, um what happened did your command know did your section know what happened when you told them you so told them? when i um told on the first incident now remember i'm at the same command where this officer is sexually harassing me and um what's scary at this squadron is like there's an officer. She was a female officer. She was the highest rank officer that we had at this time. She was flying and they grounded her from flying because she spoke out against how women were being treated in this command. So I have no outlet. Like I have nobody to tell. Um, I'm afraid. I'm terrified. I've already been retaliated against because I won't, you know, sleep with my, my officer. So um, when I told uh, a petty officer that didn't, they, they just took it one year and went out the other. And at that same command, uh, I went to a party. This woman was there. She was, I think 20. Um, they took advantage of her. They cycled. They actually raped her on, on, um, on camera. There was underage drinking and she got in trouble for underage drinking. And the guys who sexually assaulted her when it was on video and it went around the whole command, got nothing so it wasn't like a place where i could report and when i did report it was just like okay cool that's nice like so so we're where i'm not incredulous but i'm i'm just when i joined the marine corps it was right after tailhook mm -hmm. and tailhook was at least from what we were told going through boot camp hawk school mct all that hey you know you're supposed to act this way anyway. You're, you're not supposed to act this way for the Marine or sailor. But that was the line of sand where, you know, I think it was Diane Feinstein and, and Barbara Boxer said, if, if the Navy does not clean up their act, we will. So it's just right. hard hearing about this stuff now. And, and the fact you didn't have that support with people that you're to potentially save their life. Yeah, I mean, it was a... Uh... It was incredibly uh, difficult because like the military is my family. Um, and so having someone that's supposed to be your brother or your sister harm you is just like, it's such, um, it's such a way that it's just, it's devastation. You can't understand it. Uh, you just, you know, I will never understand that. Um, only thing I can understand is that they're criminals. Like they are literally perpetrators and they're criminals. So when I say that, you know, two Marines raped me, I don't even like to call them Marines because, no. or I don't even like to call the sailors that did that to me sailors. Because as far as I'm concerned, when I raised my hand and signed this oath, like I made an oath to this constitution, I made an oath to this country, right? And the people that rape people or murder people after they report being raped are criminals and they are not worthy of the name. I don't care what you've done in your service. You have done the greatest disservice to this country um, by harming your brother and sister and military sexual trauma. 
I really don't even like the word, right? Like, because you, yeah, you as, didn't, you didn't, you were very clear yeah, with me that, Hey, yeah. So, so I go don't. into that for me. Yeah. Well, you know, what a lot of people don't know is like they had a think tank. And so they said, what can we do to make this sound better? <laughs> like what, you know, what can we do to make this sound better, to make it sound easier to talk about? And me, I'm like, well, a rape is rape. Sexual assaults are sexual assaults and sexual harassment is sexual harassment. Why are we trying to call it by something different to make other people feel better? And I understand that some of my brothers and sisters that have been through this, they can't say the word rape. But I have taken my healing process for over 20 years to be able to say I was raped, right? And I was raped more than once. And so I believe that I have the right to call these crimes what they are. And um, I encourage people as, you know, they're healing and what I'm saying could be very triggering to them is to kind of just find your own path. I'm not here to dictate what you, how your healing path looks like, but please don't dictate mine. Please don't tell me to use words that literally politicians came together to try to make it feel better because it doesn't. It doesn't feel better. It has no value to me. Um, I always say that I don't hold trauma, right? Everybody wants to say, you know, you have a lot of trauma that happened to you. No, no. I have memories of crimes that were committed against me multiple times. And I have found when I talk to other warriors, because again, I don't say I'm a survivor. I don't say yeah. I'm a victim. I am a warrior. I'm an Amazonian. When you come to heal with me, you become an Amazonian. You become an Amazonian warrior. Um, and I think it's very important that people have validation that this is a crime that was committed against you. And you're holding on to what they want you to perceive as trauma, what they want you to perceive as pain or shame. And these are things that you have to release for yourself because they are not yours to carry. And, you know, you're struggling with this for over 20 years and want to kill yourself every day from just living the memory or having a shower be triggering. People don't understand, like, when this happens to you, you don't want to take showers. You binge eat, right? You either gain a, a lot of weight because you don't want to be seen or touched. You're like trying to make this like bubble. Oh, well, maybe if I look a certain way, they won't touch me. Well, rape happens at any weight, right? It happens whatever you wear. It doesn't matter. Like I was raped in my uniform. Somebody had the audacity to ask me, well, were you in uniform? Yes. Yes, I was in uniform multiple times when I was raped. Other times I was just wearing normal civilian clothes. Does that matter? No. So again, stop trying to victim shame me or have me have some kind of responsibility for criminal acts. If somebody went into a school and, and shot somebody, you know, they, you know, they tried to with that. Right. But, you know, I'm I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, well, what was he wearing? Right. Like that shit doesn't matter to me. Dude pulled the trigger. Right. So, I mean, it's the same kind of level of audacity of asking me, what am I wearing? Doesn't matter. Somebody committed a crime against me. So going back a little bit, so many women and men who have spoken out, I think of what's going on in Fort Hood and some of the things around that with Elder Fernandez and Nessa Guillen and Anisha Montgomery Smith do in fact get killed or die under mm -hmm. mysterious circumstances. 
Right. What kept you alive? As, as simply as I can say it, what kept you alive, Audrey? Um. So first of all, I, you know, I had a, uh, an incident where, you know, I was smothered with a pillow, like the, the guy, the perpetrator tried to kill me. Right. Um, and so, uh, you know, during that experience, I was like, you know what? Well, since he's going to kill me anyway, like, I'm just going to stop breathing. Like I'll swallow my own tongue at this point. Right. And I passed out and I woke up and I didn't expect to be here. Um, I put a Glock 17 in my mouth and pulled the trigger uh, in uh, 2021 right from from all of this and uh, my my gun jammed and i'm supposed to be here so i guess that's what kept me alive um at this point you know my family my my children kept me alive but at a certain point it was just like it became too much to to have that kind of memory constantly play in day in and day out and um after i did that i was like you know what even death fears me like I pulled the trigger and death blinked. I didn't fucking blink. Death blinked. Right. And so I was like, well, what can you do with that? Right. Because now um, you're at this point where you survived this and your brothers and sisters are still struggling with it. There's they're still in this darkness. And I was like, I'm going to do everything I can to heal myself so I can get my brothers and sisters out of this darkness because nobody deserves to be raped. But all of us have complex PTSD. Right. So that means every single person in the military that's diagnosed with PTSD really has complex PTSD because you have multiple instances of trauma. And um, so I was like, I just need to get us out. I don't want anybody dying. I don't want my veterans to be homeless on the streets. Like I fled domestic violence and became homeless. Like nobody deserves that. So I got to empower myself, push through do all this um this work even though it's you know trauma and damage and crimes that somebody else did to me that i've been carrying this shit around and i gotta let it go so i can come and grab these people out like because you know nobody was going to grab me out but myself and not everybody can do that not everybody has the resiliency that i have so you know, I need to use that for good use. And the best use I can do that is to save the lives of my brothers and sisters. So is that where the Amazonian, Amazonian, excuse me, warrior foundation came to be is understanding that, Hey, you know what? I'm still here. I can still have a purpose and use what happened to me to help somebody else. Yeah. So, I mean, I fled domestic violence. So as I, as I stated, at one point in your time, you know, one in three military sexual trauma happens to anybody. So it, it doesn't have a sex. It's one in three of us. So it's man, woman, you know, uh, gay, whatever. It doesn't matter. Um, and, you know, so I left. I fled. I got denied vouchers by the VA. I'm 100% total in perm. And, um, you know, it's over income limits. So when you become homeless, you're at a 90% chance of killing yourself. So while I was homeless, I tried to kill myself, right? So that means you only have a 10% chance of living. So while I was homeless, um, I was making food on like a little propane stove and I was running into veterans left and right. And they were just like, I was like, well, what percentage are you? Because I'm over income limits and they won't help me, right? So they really are trying to kill us at 100%. They just turn you away. Um, I'm trying to get that changed congressionally. I, I believe that there should be no barriers that when a veteran becomes homeless, that they deserve a VASH voucher just like everyone else and that they should get help. Nobody should be turned away. We should not be turning veterans away when we know it's a death sentence. Um, 
And so I just started helping people, even while I was homeless. I was like, well, you you qualify for this, right? And they were like, I can't do that. I was like, okay, well, let me help you make the phone calls. Or, hey, let me bring you there. Hey, let me feed you, right? So even while I was struggling, I was still helping us. And so I was like, um, there's a solution here, right? So I, I got a pop-up camper. And I was like, huh, well, if you're 100% service connected, I can put you in a... a a park, a national park, and you can stay there for free, right? Because that's your service connection. And so it's a place for you to start over temporarily until we can get you some kind of housing or, and so I was like, okay, um, I have to do this because there's too many of us dying out here, like literally dying on the streets. Um, and it's just, it's so wrong. It's so wrong at this point. Like no, no veterans should be out on the street. Nobody, nobody should be out there and it sucked. So I was like, well, I, I got to make sure that I help in the best way possible. And, um, sports really saved my life. Um, you know, yeah, my degrees in security. Point. Yeah. My degrees in security risk analysis and cybersecurity. And, um, so you're cyber. I'm not anymore. I used to work oh, for the federal government. Oh, well, I'm I'm in cyber now. So I mean, I, no. it's, it's very rare we 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 meet each other. I, that's what I'm saying. I do I yeah, do so, uh, uh, I do DevSecOps. Okay, awesome. Yeah, so I worked for the DOD. Okay. Um, I was a, I was a GS12, and um, oh, wow. yeah, so yes, yeah, so I was like, well, how can I use all this risk mitigation that um that I know how to um, effectively end veteran suicides, right? So I started looking at it and I was like, okay, we have all these great adaptive sports foundations, but we don't have transportation and we don't have housing nearby it, right? So we have a lot of funding going into it, but people can't get there. Or, you know, I have uh, chronic regional pain syndrome type two from the military. It's the highest known pain syndrome to, to man. There's no cure. Um, I used to not be able to walk. I was told I was never going to walk again. I broke my foot in the military and they ignored it. So now I have a nerve disorder that there's no cure for, but ketamine has made a difference. Uh, medical marijuana with Rick Simpson oil and capsules and low dose mushrooms have allowed me to be able to walk. And, um, so I'm, I'm blessed in that. Right. But it was like, okay, I know what it's like to be on a knee scooter. I know what it's like to be in a wheelchair. Right. So I'm not permanently stuck in there. I still have the knee scooter. Um, I use it as needed, but I know, and I have friends that like, I've literally gone to uh, snowboarding events where I've had to clean their sleeves, um, for, for their prosthetic. And so I know how difficult it is just to get out of bed every day, right. Just to be, to walk. And so when you're 20 minutes away, that's a far way, right? Yeah. So being less than 20 minutes to get to an event and if you're an hour away and that's the lodging that they have you at, or they can't even afford the lodging and they're telling you to drive two hours with your caregiver, it's just like, it's not going to happen. Or you get there, you've, you spent two hours when you should be spending that on a board or doing that activity that's going to help with your PTSD. So I was like, these are the things we got to go after. So I invented cognitive-based therapy stuck points and um, put people on boards because I believe we disassociate from our pain. We're very, very good at disassociating. That, that, that's how we survive, right? Like that's how I survived 
all these incidences that happen by disassociating from pain, but your body keeps the score, right? There's a very famous book about that, how your trauma stays in your body. So we have these higher rates of chronic diseases or pain syndromes because our body doesn't know what to do with it. So when we disassociate, we keep that trauma inside our body. But for me, I say, okay, guys, take your stuck point and it could be shame. We're going to talk about it for like 20 minutes. And then we're going to go on a board or surfboard or snowboard or hike. And we're going to release the pain through body movement so that it can leave your body and you can actually release it. But you're also not being allowed to disassociate and you're doing it with another veteran who, you know, cares about you. So you're reestablishing like another active duty service member harmed you in some way, or you experienced, you know, you lost your, your battle um, in combat and you blame yourself for not pulling that trigger fast enough, right? So you're, you're carrying this shame around. So now I'm letting you release that through body movement, but you're doing it without even thinking about it because you have to be situationally aware on a board or you bust your ass, right? Like you get hurt, you get hurt. So, you know, you, you can't just be like, oh, I got to disassociate from this. I can't, right? So that's our normal like reaction to it. So um, it's great to see veterans like thrive and we keep a lot of our trauma in food or music and so, you know, we take some of those songs like, hey, play this song that when you went through that and how does it what are you listening to? How are you feeling? Right. And let's talk about it. And so I think that one, we don't listen to each other enough and we kind of just minimize our own pain. And we're just like, well, let that guy like like let, let him go. He, he deserves it more than me. Right. Like he deserves to to be happy over me. And I'm like, nah, bro, we all deserve to be happy and thriving and kicking PTSD in the fucking face. Like, yeah. So, so I'm on your website, you know, uh, you know, checking it out. And is that where be epically dope comes from? <laughs> yeah. So, um, so I snowboard, I'm an adaptive athlete. Um, so, you know, after I was told, I, you know, I used to, um, before I joined the Navy, I was getting ready for triathlons. Um, my level of, um, People say I like extreme sports. I don't really think I like extreme sports. I just think that like I'm just naturally like drawn to adventure. Um, so like I used to say I have a snowboard that says be epically dope in all you do. Right. So like just like in every opportunity that you get, be your best, but be epically dope at it. Like just be happy, but be dope at it. And you got to be epic. And so it was kind of funny to see like people start using these words and commercials and stuff. I was just like, oh, I see. I brought it back. Um, so I like skydiving. I want to go wingsuiting. Um, I have some friends that jump out the planes with, with, with uh, you know, uh, Red Bull, um, you know. Um, so, um, those are my kind of people, right? So I'm, you know, I want to go down inside of a mountain and back country and jump out of plane with my snowboard. Um, so those are, you know, some classified that as a little extreme. Um, and I just, I think that's just epically dope fun. Um, so, you know, I think uh, I get called the bringer of Stoke. Uh, so when people snowboard with me or they surf or they, they one wheel, I have one wheels. Um, I do events all over the nation with those. And uh, now, wait, it just wait, wait, lets the people. One, the one, are, are the one wheels like the, the short unicycle, for lack of a better term? Mm -mm. No. So the one wheel looks like 
it was invented by a guy who snowboards all the time. So it has a wheel in the med- middle of it, and it looks like a snowboard. Um, so oh, yeah, 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 have, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so we do have one EUC in the fleet. Um, and I would say I tried it, but I've never skied in my life, right? And I'm never going to ski in in my life. Like I'm a snowboarder. Like I it's that's it. You know, I'm on the right side. Um, so that's hey, that's what we call it, the right side. Um, so for me, I I train it for for a line for surfing or snowboarding. Right. So, but we do have some, some people that can, can try the other, other board. Um, that's, that, that's a unicycle with your feet forward and you, you press in the, the pressure of, of your legs and uh, knees and thighs to stay on it and props to them. Uh, if you've skied, it's, it's really easy for you to pick up. But the great thing about one wheeling is like you literally don't need any experience with with skateboarding. You don't need any experience with snowboarding. I have guys that were Korean War veterans, right? They're uh, they're pretty up there in age. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna throw out how old he is, um, but you know you could be any weight. It doesn't matter. I put you on this board. You literally squat in a position. You know I teach you to make sure that you always jump off like this because in snowboarding the number one injury is like somebody going like this and breaking their wrist. So the same thing. Go over safety. You can wear helmets and pads if if you want to. Um, I I I wear a helmet when I'm going really fast or if I'm snowboarding because I have a TBI. So, but for the most part, I don't use like pads and stuff like that i take those scars with pride um and then you just put your shoulder forward and your knee forward and you follow your body movement and you place your head the way you want to go you don't look down because if you look down you fall um and people are pretty good at it they get it within 10 minutes i'll tell you what audrey uh i'm in the boston area you're 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 a little bit south of me you get in the yeah. you get an event i will come to it as Oscar Mike Radio and try the one wheel. Absolutely. Well, we do have an event in October in DC um, at Haynes uh, Haynes Park down here um, at noon, and so we are we're demo we're we're bringing out one wheels. We're bringing out the EUC. I'm gonna call Mission Barbecue see if they can hook us up with some food, and um, yeah, so we're doing that. We're gonna have an event in Philly in november new york city we just did chicago again and we go down to florida so um and then we're going out to colorado i'm going for a whiskey event there we're, we're bottling some whiskey i'm a brand ambassador um for brass and anchor which is navy owned yeah so tell me and about use, that tell me about the yes. uh, how'd that work Any, anytime <laughs> um so <laughs> before i got into this abusive relationship um i was a uh, you know um an Instagram influencer. And I got to go to a lot of whiskey events and uh, whiskey is like in my bloodline. I love whiskey, um, bourbon in particular, people fail to realize that bourbon was invented by the military. Right. So all these, yes. Yeah. So there's these books called uh, bourbon military history. And when we were rocking around in 1775, you know, that by the way, tons tavern, you know, Navy right. Mom, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, there we go. So, and um, and I'm just gonna shout this out. Like, if you guys are a Marine and you have not been to your birthplace in Philadelphia, it's a must go. Um, so I try to go 
once a year, my, my best friend, she's an Intel Marine. And so I took her last year to celebrate her birthday, which is, uh, you know, the Marine Corps birthday. And you just got to do it once in Philly. Um, we, you know, Tons Tavern, you just go to a little icon. We usually put like a wreath there to kind of celebrate. And then it's a huge ass party for Marines um, all weekend, right? And uh, you get to hear the Marine Corps anthem. You get to be with your fellow jarheads. And just experience that, you know, brotherhood, sisterhood that you're probably missing out. You get to come to Philly and uh, have Philly cheesesteaks. It's just a great time. And yeah, there's a bar crawl, but, you know, not everybody drinks, um, but you could still have a great time. So just that's just my shout out. Um, so I got back into whiskey and I use whiskey for good. And a lot of people are like, well, you're encouraging people to drink. Yes, I am. Um, I'm encouraging you to drink responsible, good liquor. And I just want people to say is like, yo, um, why why come after alcohol, right? Like a lot of veterans, instead of dealing with their pain, turn to something. So they're either overeating, drinking, smoking, doing drugs to run from the trauma. So let's not blame alcohol because that's the choice that somebody tried to use to numb their pain. Let's just find out what their pain is, solve that and fix that for them right? So whiskey for good. So you get to drink whiskey for good. I have whiskey tasting events. And, um, you know, I met these, uh, I do Mount Pleasant Whiskey Club, which is a local DC. It's Air Force uh, veteran owned and his co-owner is from Penn State. That's my alumni. And um, they're like, hey, we want to give you some bottles and kind of support you and let you be a brand ambassador. And, you know, give you this whiskey so that you can fundraise and have people come drink I'm like, great, because I like to support like local distillers. Then another um, uh, place called Brass and Anchor. It's part of Warriors for Whiskey. We're on Facebook. There's over 30,000 of us on there that are all veterans um, that love whiskey. And so they were like, hey, let's launch our own line. And I was like, great. And it's delicious. Like, I don't drink shit whiskey. Like, you can't. My lips are too too good for that. Right. I've been through too much in life to drink shitty whiskey. I'm not doing it to myself. I deserve the best. So when I say that this stuff is good, I'm not just bullshitting, right? Like it's, it's delicious. And so now I get to bottle whiskey, um, Mount Pleasant. We just dumped five barrels and we're blending it and that'll be out. Uh, it's going to be like the Harvard edition. So every single bottle is pre-prohibition. And um, it's named after a street in DC. So you can have a local experience. And then Brass and Anchor, I'm going out for the Navy's birthday. We're going out to Colorado and we're going to be uh, running running new bottles and having that. So I kind of feel it's like a, a blessing. Um, I love whiskey down to the farm. Like I like to go to the farm. I like to see what's being grown, what barley's been used, what wheat's being used, what the soil looks like. And the best part is, you can make a connection to a farmer that actually really needs to support, yeah. needs to support. And um, there are a lot of programs for veterans to get into farming. So you might be like, hey, I like farming, but I might like whiskey too. This could be a pathway for you to start a whole new career that you never thought you could be in. And there's a lot of money being granted to you by the federal government. So why not go after it? Like just why not? Why not take an opportunity? Um, and it's definitely my passion because I think that whiskey is magical and it's something that is crafted 
to make you happy. And it's got this distinctness of bringing joy to you. And that little burn, we call that a Kentucky kiss. In DC, we call that a DC hug. Um, and so, I mean, I'm a sailor and I'm Gator Navy and I like high heat. And so most people can't rock with me. Um, they, you know, I like a 121 to 127 proof to start. And so I like it. I like it hot, like it hot, like it hot. I, I don't drink Audrey, but you know what? I might, I'm, I, I tell you what, I'm, I may try some of your whiskey when I, when we meet, that's my promise. That sounds to you. good. Yeah. So like, I mean, that's kind of like, I know, I know it's early, but you know, shit, I got some right. You know. Nice. You know, I just drink it straight from the bottom. Um, so on my show, Gunslingers Tavern, right? People are like, like, damn, like, yeah, I'm, I'm a true sailor. Like, I just, I don't even need a glass. That's for fancy people. Let's be real, military. That's for fancy people. Do we have glasses all the time? Come on, no. No. So adapt and overcome. Um, and it tastes good straight from the bottle. I mean, I think it does. So yeah. One of the things that struck me about, you know, learning about your show on the military broadcast uh, radio network. Thank you, Joel Hunt and your website. Yes, and, thank and, you, Joel. I love him. He's a, he's great. Right. Just, just great. Yes. You know, and, 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 you know, I've, I've really uh, gotten plugged into the MB radio family, but one of the things that really struck me about your story, why I reached out is, you know, all these bad things happen to you and you've, you've just embraced this said, yeah, it happened to me. And you found a way to, I don't know, heal through helping. Does that, does that sound right? Yeah. It just, it just seems like I found my path in healing. Right. And so like, for me, I know if I'm triggered or if I have suicidal ideation for the day, and let me just say, I just want people to say, it's okay to have suicidal ideation. It's not okay to fucking kill yourself, right? It's not okay to come up with a plan or any of that, but it's okay to have these thoughts because this is part of PTSD. And PTSD literally re-regulates your brain. It changes the oxygen levels. It changes the chemicals in your brain. So when you're battling something, this thing wants to, I always say, you know, I left an abusive relationship. It's like an abusive ex-boyfriend that wants to just fucking make your life a living hell, right? And so you just gotta like, I mean, I'm an eagle, right? So you gotta rocky this motherfucker in the face a couple of times. And so, you know, once I balboaed PTSD, I was like, you know, this works for me. I get on a board if I'm upset or I'm triggered or, you know, I do want to touch on Denisha Montgomery Smith after this. Um, but I was just like, you know, like this is my path forward, but I do woodworking. I got my intelligent Marine who literally hated coloring, right? Which is, is funny, right? Um, she like hated art therapy, like was like giving me all this shit. Like, I don't like art therapy. And I was like, yo, battle. Can you just fucking try this? Because this bitch colors every single day now, right? She has a, a coloring book and she colors and I send her crayons as a, as a joke. Um, edible ones too. They make edible edible ones but that's her way of going forward right like this is a way that she knows when she's triggered 
she can use that. And so there are so many coping skills. I always say it's like we have an ammo box and we got to fill that shit up. And so like we all have different weapons, right? We all have different, you know, skill sets for our weapons. But together we're a fucking battle, you know, battle of one. Nobody can defeat us when we're united. So let's start giving people these coping mechanisms and filling up those ammo boxes. Because just because my shit is filled with 50 cals, right? Or, you know, an M6 or something like that. You know, and I got some Glocks, right? Somebody be like, like, oh, well, the 1911 is more effective for me, right? So, but, and that could look like woodworking or that could look like archery, you know? So there are all these things out here that, you know, breathing exercises that we can try, meditation, yoga, surfing. So like, let's give veterans and active duty service members those opportunities to try to heal themselves, but let's do it in a way where you don't feel bad about it. Like, why would we? This thing's trying to kill you. Like PTSD wants to take your life. And so I'm saying like, let's not live in a shell former of ourselves, right? Let's live before that happened. Let's live before that experience happened to you and let's reshape that experience. So, you know, if um, if your trigger is, I remember my memory by opening that door, let me be the person that opens the door for you now, Yeah. right? Yeah. Let's close that old door, but let me be the person that opens this new door for you. And however you go forward, I want to give you every opportunity to heal because not everything for me is going to work for you, but yo, there's over 600 of them on one sheet. Something's going to work for you. Just right. keep trying because your yeah. life is worth it. How can people connect with you and help you with the Amazonian Warrior Foundation, Audrey? Well, we always need donations, right? Like donate. Um, you know, I have veterans that contact me that are homeless, sleeping in cars, and I'm helping them. I've had a combat veteran that just literally got out of being homelessness that got scammed by a landlord and was living in a condemned house. And so when you become homeless, you need everything again. And, you know, for people to be like, oh, well, they get some income. It's a fixed income that's at a poverty rate level. Please tell me how they're supposed to buy a whole new house over for them. Right. So like people can donate one wheels, people could donate snowboards, people can donate helmets. Right. They they need to be in not used conditions. Um, some of the one wheels can be um, used or whatever. I, I, I'm a 501c3, so I can give you a tax write off for those things. So we have a list of things that you can donate. Um, and that would be the most helpful thing right now, because there are so many veterans that contact me from all over the U.S. that need help. I mean, there's so many of us not getting help and everyone refers you to this organization or that organization. And they're like, well, we don't have the funding or we don't, we don't have anything, or you use this once, right? You already used this once while you were homeless. Now you can get no more help. And so it's like, if you look at somebody who has fled domestic violence, one, they need new housing. Half the time, they don't probably have a car that's in good condition, right? They have that. They have some kind of bills that their abuser might have. And then think about it. It's like $12 just to buy a towel. Yep. What if you got a family? Like that's thousands of dollars that people need these resources. We're talking about brooms, cleaning supplies. I mean, just the normal thing that you take for granted 
you got to start all over and build from nothing again. Um, people need housing, right? So, you know, we got to build housing. We got to build housing out of these adaptive sports events that are already established in California, New Jersey, Virginia Beach, because we have to target the areas that have the highest rates of sexual assault. And for me, you know, that's Virginia Beach, that's San Diego, that's uh, New Jersey, that's got these uh, great adaptive sport places already, because we can reduce the rates of suicide, but we got to have access to it. And so my dream is to, um, and I'm gonna make a reality, is to build a village, right? I've already started to um, go on the, on the West Coast, and I want to build cabins, right? And um, have them to be one or two little bedrooms, like with a little living room area, kitchen space. Some of them will be for adaptive athletes, so people and their families can come heal through adaptive sports. Some of them will be for people that are fleeing domestic violence or just need to get their shit together. And then other people will be for homeless veterans. And it takes a village of us. And so that'll be a, a rotation. So I have an Airbnb. Um, people can help by staying there. It's in the Poconos. It's You could do therapy. Um, there's waterfalls. There's snowboarding available. There's hiking. But every single when all expenses are cleared i get to help a veteran family once a month or first responders stay there for free so their family gets to recover for two to three days to have a little vacation there and so i have the capacity to help at least 12 veteran families a year right. so i've tried to i've tried to do everything i can uh and we do food disparity so people can donate fresh vegetables like zucchinis chocolate chips and I can take that and I can go feed a hundred veterans in Philly in one day That's in one awesome. day. So you're small. There are so many different ways that you can help impact the lives of your brothers and sisters. Like so many. Fantastic. Fantastic. Um, we're winding down here. I know you wanted to touch on Denisha Smith before we close. Uh, what, yes. did, you, what, did, what did you think about that? So um, I was actually there um, talking for the first time in my life publicly in, in Tampa at this, uh, this event. And so I met one of her advocates. And so literally, as I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, Denisha is about to come home. Red Cross message is, is there. And then we get the word that she's been murdered, right? And they're like, oh, it's a suicide. She's been murdered, right? And here's the worst part is when I was in my amphibious unit and in my squadron, what people don't understand is drug trafficking is very prevalent in the military. I literally was on one of these boats in my squadron and they were running cocaine on there. And that cocaine that was coming from there was coming from Germany. And this same base has been doing this for over 20 years. And it's the same base that murdered Denisha Montgomery Sis. Uh, murdered PFC Colvin because she's not the only person that got killed connected to this. There's two other service members have done that. And they are literally trying to protect this horrible synthetic drug that's coming into, into our military, into our streets that are killing people. And we've been promised, you know, Chuck Grassley said that he was going to open um, last February, that he was going to open an investigation into it. And, you know, he lied. He just wanted to see who was going to go support him publicly. Because as soon as he did that, we all came out on social media and was like, yes, thank you. Finally, you know, let's get our sister some justice. And I just want to say that, you know, she joined late in the military. She has children. She could be me. 
right? I could have been killed and someone attempted to kill me um, while being raped. And so, you know, covering this up because of drug profits is just utterly ridiculous. And again, these are things that don't belong in our military. If we're going to make our military strong, we have to come out strong about this. 30,000 service members by the end of this year alone will be affected by military sexual trauma. That means they're going to be raped. That means they're going to be sexually assaulted or harassed. 30,000 alone. And we're talking about highly specialized people that the military has trained to do a very specific job. Of that, 24,000 are going to be exposed to domestic violence. And that means their families are going to be exposed to domestic violence. So how serious is this? We are killing our military lineage from within. We are killing our own national security. This is a national security issue because when you have gaps of people getting out and you're keeping the bad guys in, we only get weaker as a nation yeah. because now people who their family members would have joined, they're not going to join the military anymore. They're not going to join. And then we're giving their family PTSD. We're giving their children who've never served PTSD. And it's an epidemic. It's an epidemic. If we right now had to attack the beaches of Normandy, we wouldn't have Utah. We wouldn't have Utah. That's how significant this is. So it is killing us from within. And we're talking about highly specialized people now going to do this in a civilian world or they're killing themselves. And it's just it's just got to stop. And Denisha Montgomery Smith, she deserves justice. Her story should be a national headline every single day, just like Vanessa's family was. And you just don't hear about it. And her sister, Brooke, like... Um, they keep advocating, right? And um, I can only shout it from the streets every time I have a chance. But, you know, I, I witnessed drug trafficking. I have seen it. And these people that are in these high up positions literally had connections to the squadron that I was stationed at. And it is a huge thing. And this is why you're not hearing anything about it, because it's that it's that kind of level of cover up. Well, I hope to meet you in person. I hope to have you come back on and talk more about this. Yeah. Um, I really believe that the only way this gets fixed is by us fixing it. We can't count on a politician or, oh. you know, somebody else to do it for us. We've got to take control and do this. And, uh, or, or like you said, we're going to rot from within. And I just mm -hmm. found, you know, your story authentic. I found it empowering and I hope, as you're listening to Audrey, that you, you want to support her because she's taken this situation and is helping others right now. So Audrey, I want to say thank you for coming on. Um, won't be the last time. And I'm going to, I'm going to ride that one wheel with you. That's for sure. I'm down, man. And I, you're going to like it. You're going to like it. And you're going to be like, well, shit, I got to get me one of these. <laughs> well, that'd be a good problem to have. Be a good problem to have. So I'll have the links to Audrey's website and her bourbon and, you know, whiskey, all that in the Osmec Radio Show post. Audrey, what a great first uh, experience from NB Radio. Catch her show. I'll have the link to that as well in the show post. And I, I can't wait to meet you in person. All right. Thanks. And remember, be epic in all you do. <laughs> epic. Be epically dope.
be epically dope, y'all. And drink some bourbon and have, um and sling some good uh good life, man. Because you you're worthy of life, man. You're worthy of having a good one and breaking up with PTSD and just, you know, Rocky Bumbo with it, man. Just one day at a time. Just play some Eye of the Tiger if you need to. Just, you know, get into it. Get into it. Because healing is healthy, hard. No one said this shit was going to be easy, right? But once you do it, once you start healing yourself, you start freeing yourself from it. And that's the most important thing is, is to get yourself back. And it'll be a new, better you. Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you got it right there I mean, from, from someone who not only has been through it, but also lives it and, you know, is just stoked and epically dope. Uh, I'm Travis Oscar Mike Radio. This is Audrey McHugh um, with Amazonian Warrior Foundation. Thank you very much. Join us on National Wreaths Across America Day, December 16th, 2023. Each December on National Wreaths Across America Day, our mission to remember, honor, and teach is carried out by coordinating wreath-laying ceremonies at Arlington National Cemetery, as well as more than 3,700 additional locations in all 50 states, at sea and abroad. Join us by sponsoring a veteran's wreath at a cemetery near you, volunteering, or donating to a local sponsor group. for listening and watching Oscar Mike Radio, where our active duty service members and veterans are in action and the mission is in flight. If you are a veteran or know a veteran who needs help, please dial 998 and press 1 for the Veterans Crisis Line.